the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. Welcome, this is episode 213 of the Boys of Tech for Thursday, not a Monday, but Thursday the 16th of May 2013. Interesting, 213 and the episode and the year 2013. Anyway, my name is Edwin Herman, I'm live in the studio here in Wellington. Joining me over Skype, also in the beautiful city of Wellington, is Brett King. Welcome to the show, Brett. Howdy. Now, you went to a concert uh, a, a little while ago. Well, about a week ago, was it? Indeed. And you went to see? Tool. Tool. Band from my youth. I was just going to say, it's very 90s, isn't it? <laughs> hey, they're working on a new album, so. Are they? They're still a band of now. Oh, well, you know, that's that's all that qualifies. And anyway, even if they weren't, what would it matter, right? Oh, precisely. Exactly. It was awesome. Get there, feeling all old and decrepit, standing in the pouring rain because, well, Auckland did not provide a very nice experience. Left beautiful sunny Wellington to get to crappy rainy Auckland and stood in a queue, yada, yada, yada. Finally got in, in the first band, the cover, you know, the opening band Mm -hmm. happened and they were like, meh, really. (laughs) <laughs> no. I'm sure some people liked their kind of music, but it was just all reverberations and and meh to me. But then tools started and suddenly I was a teenager again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, isn't that great when music does that to you? Oh, indeed, indeed. Superb. Nice. So it was it was well okay the weather wasn't great but hey you were it was an indoor venue uh, Victorina yeah. I understand right yep um, and you were having the time of your life when tour was playing right indeed excellent how much are tickets to shows like that these days oh god I have no idea hundred and something probably yeah it's, why why are they, it it just seems like a lot of money I mean I guess you I mean I look I still buy concert tickets at that price because you know when you really want to go you go but well, precisely. It's like we are in New Zealand, and I guess it costs a lot of money to bring bands here, convince them to come this this direction. Yeah, that that is true. That is true. It's not like they can just hop across then, from city to city. Indeed. But then any shows and other sorts of stuff are all in in that sort of range now, you know, the, the hundreds or late 80s, 90s. Yeah, yeah. If you go to the you go to the opera house and see some some show or something that's on, it's going to be, you know, up in that price for for. Good seats. This is true. This is true. Maybe it's just inflation, sign of the times and all that. Oh, indeed. Maybe. Either way, it was it was very cool. Excellent. Right now, Brett, we, we are... Torrential rain. So, yeah, but apart from the... was very cool. <laughs> the torrential rain, I know. And in Wellington, and as you heard when you got back, had put on beautiful weather down here. Oh, indeed. It was, it was <laughs> lovely in the morning I left <laughs> to arrive in the pouring rain. Uh, 
But you know, it's and they just, say it's always rainy in Wellington. I don't think so. <laughs> I think you've got it the other way around. It certainly was that, that time. And Auckland has obviously not heard of this wonderful invention that most other cities in the world have called awnings that you attach to the side of buildings to stop people from getting wet. Yeah, you got to admit they though, the, so the Victor Arena is just have nothing. <laughs> well, yeah, although where Victor Arena is, there's not a lot out that way, if you know what I mean. What about there's tons of stuff heading out that direction. There's an, a big little area that's built up full of shops and eateries. It's built up around it. Yeah. Hmm. No, Get look. And things move to Fort Road you, and all that. You, you, you're, you're annoyed because you got saturated when you got there, didn't you? Oh, indeed. I was completely <laughs> soaked. Yeah, because I don't we're, take one change of clothes because I was only going there overnight. So I would, did not have changes of clothes. Oh, yeah. To get dry with, to then get wet with, to then get. Hey, look, well, where did you stay? I stayed in a hotel two minutes from the venue. Ah, it was a good hotel? What's a, what was the name of it? Copthorne. Oh, the Copthorne. Oh, that, that's going up in, in, in class a little well, bit. I mean, it's not your budget end. Of course not. I, I don't do budget. Oh. I've gone we, past budget. I'm not in my 20s anymore, Edwin. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I still am because when I went to see Russell Peters uh, at, um, that was also Victorina, incidentally, I stayed at the Kiwi International Hotel 45, no, 55, $50, $55 for, for room. Ah, mine was uh, a little more than that. Was it double? Twice that and a little bit. Okay, yeah. But, you know, you, you, yours was far more far more nice, far, far nicer. And mine did come with free drinks. Ah, well, you see, I didn't get any of that. But uh, but it was cheap, and that's what I went for, cheap and cheerful, and I got cheap and cheerful. But anyway, um, look, uh, we're here to talk tech. There's a number of stories. Tech. Looking at that first story, that's not really tech. Well, the thing is, okay, let, let, let's talk about it. We're talking about this handgun, the 3D blueprints for a – for a, for a handgun now th- this has been talked ab- this has been talked about for a while now and it's been downloaded you know a uh, well, hundred talked about it before when they were talking about it but yeah they finally printed and did test firings yes, yes. some successful test firings of particularly low powered bullets and dramatically bad test firings of normal standard caliber bullets but is it is it a good idea to download a gun, print it, and fire it? No. No. Because, well, let's put it this way. They had dramatic failure. And they also had issues when they were doing the test firings of their, their very first test firings, which, of course, they did by strapping the gun to a stand and then using a very long piece of rope to fire it. <laughs> it I wonder why they did that. And with the pressures involved with firing a bullet, that plastic is going to deform. The bullet is not going to go in a very straight trajectory. The plastic is not going to last very long if it's going to last at all. Because if you print it with like an industrial 3D printer with high-grade ABS plastics, which is what they were talking about, which is what this um, uh, place did their, you know, their test printing and test firing did, used an industrial 3D printer with high-grade ABS plastic. And even then it failed with a, a standard um, 
higher caliber round. People downloading this at home and printing it with their home 3D printer, which is going to be using some crappy nylon plastic, that thing is going to fail first time and it's going to shoot high-speed fragments of plastic everywhere. So this is actually potentially more... Fired it, injuring any bystanders around them. It's potentially deadly. So it's more dangerous than a standard gun in that respect. It's significantly more dangerous than a standard gun because a standard gun is designed and built to withstand the firing. It's designed and built by professionals to withstand the pressures and temperatures involved with firing the gun. Whereas this printed on a generic 3D printer with generic plastic is going to explode potentially injuring or killing the people around it. It is now, not a smart thing to do. Now, can not we even ju- slightly a smart thing to do. So can we talk about the morals of this as well? Is publishing gun blueprints online worse than, say, publishing bomb recipes online? Uh, well, the first thing is it's completely illegal. <laughs> it's... Uh, as we've already seen by the fact that the creators of this thing put it up for download and were then pretty promptly issued with a State Department cease and desist saying that you cannot do this because you are violating um, arms regulations. You're in, violating- the, in the States, of course. Yeah. You are violating, well, not just the States, but international laws on arms trafficking. Oh, really? Yeah. He is a non-licensed. He has absolutely no license whatsoever to distribute uh, firearms and firearm-related materials. And he was putting this on there, which is classified as distributing, is, you know, weapons manufacturing, weapons distributing. And that's why he was given these takedowns. And he's not allowed to, you know, put them back on there. They've been confiscated by the U.S. government, U.S. State Department, until he is licensed. To, to provide firearms. So, so what are, what's, what's happening? One of the very first things when we first talked about this ridiculous story was the fact that he was going to go do it the whole legit way. He was going to get all the licenses and get all of the required paperwork done so that he could do it legally. And yet he missed out on the, the biggest, the, the simplest thing of all is the fact that he has to register and get licensed through the, the, the US State Department as a weapons manufacturer. Okay, so he's pulled them down. Are they no longer available on the internet at all anymore? We're talking about the internet, Edwin. You take a photo of yourself doing something stupid at a party and you put it on the internet. It resurfaces. (laughs) Yeah, it it resurfaces, doesn't it? Yeah. It goes goes underground, (laughs) it goes on P2P, that kind of stuff, right? Precisely. And that's exactly what's happened with this, yeah. Mm. 100,000 times before it was taken down. Mm. And so, of course, it's going to be... available on P2P. Uh, You can probably just do a Google search and download it. Um, Yeah, it's out there now. But you would be an absolute fool to use it. Especially if you're a person who, you know, if you're an actual firearms uh, aficionado or collector, you are going to go to somebody who can actually make a weapon for you. Like here in New Zealand, there are people that you can go to to make you a rifle for hunting. 
if you want a custom built rifle, you don't want to buy an off the shelf brand name. There are people you can go to, are licensed to build you an actual fully functional certified weapon. Why would you buy one that you would print out of plastic? The only reason that you would have something that was made cheaply, inefficiently, that was completely ridiculous to aim, have, you know, accuracy would be complete crap. The only reason you would want that is for a nefarious purpose. Yeah. Because a yep. person doing something nefarious only cares if the thing is going to fire once or twice anyway and doesn't really care if it's going to be pinpoint accurate. Yeah. So yep. all they're going to want to do is have it as that threat and the potential to fire off a couple of shots and get away or do whatever nefarious purpose they're going for. That is the only reason I can think of. Out of all of the possible reasons they might come up with for why you should have this, there is no legitimate reason why I can think you would ever want this. Yeah, even if, <laughs> even even as a even as a um, what would you call it? Like a proof of concept to see how it feels in your hand. It doesn't need to be working for that. You can you can print a, a shell for that. So Precisely. so yeah. What other I can't print out the the design of a weapon sure we do, they do that all the time it's where you get props Prop yeah gun. well exactly yeah exactly yeah you know, so that's not a good a good, good reason that's is sort it of thing what this would be for but mm. you wouldn't create one which was working because there's only one purpose for that and that is an illegal purpose i cannot think of any argument that you could possibly say for the legitimate use of this of a printable firearm and as you said, because any legitimate use for a firearm has legitimate sources for legitimate, safe, fully proven weapons. And as you said, uh, the, the doing so, you're publishing the, these uh, blueprints is a potential violation of international traffic and arms regulations. So it's really something that is going to be, I think, legally, it's 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 very clear. But uh, in practice, it's going to be interesting to see how they. Uh, control this. I mean, you know, even if it is in violation of international law, I mean, it's not going to stop people trying to upload these things. Oh, precisely. The only thing will be is that there will be cease and desists coming out of the statement department for any places that make it available and where they're notified that it's available. And if I were, was the um, law enforcement departments of America and around the world, and I caught somebody with one of these, then boom, <laughs> throw the book at them because there is only, as I said, there is no legitimate legal reason why anybody would have one of these. Mm, well said, well said. I Look, I can't add much more to that. You've, you've pretty much said it. So I'll move on and talk. Well, let's talk about Windows. <laughs> let, let's talk about Windows 8.1. And it's moral. There's my two points. What was it? What the two points? Uh, it's, it's illegal and it's immoral. It's illegal and immoral, probably pretty much the worst you can get, right? Yeah. So now, Brett, uh, Windows 8.1, Windows Blue, as it was called, is coming out as a free upgrade to Windows 8. Mm-hmm. Possibly, well, at least in my mind, I think a free upgrade because they realised that Windows 8 wasn't what it should have been. It was another Vista. Uh, well, actually, I think it's a free upgrade because it's just like the service packs. You never had to pay for a service pack. Well, it's I don't know. Yeah, is it though? I think it's a little bit more than that. Let's look at some of the let's it's look. Fixes. Well, in enhancements, let's look at some of it. We've got a, I've got a top ten list here. Let's go through them. First of all, the start button. Bug fix. 
Well, I mean, it's not. There's not a bug. The fact that the start button wasn't there. That, yeah, uh, it's that, a bug fix. Well, no, that implies that the. No, it's 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 entirely a bug fix. They realised as soon as they put out Windows 8 that wait a minute, we've got to put the start button in. That's not a bug. That's an omission. That's very different. No, it's a bug when they realised that they had forgotten to do it. No, a bug is when something it's doesn't work. As a, as they did it on purpose, but there's no way that they would have done that. Well, on we're purpose. going to be arguing semantics here, Brett. But I, I tell you, this is a, this is an announcement. Well, anyway, regardless of what it is, okay, what, what, whatever, they're bringing in a start button. Good, bad, what? Well, good, obviously. Yeah, it should have been there from the start. Uh, new stock apps. Uh, new stock apps. That is purely a. They're going well. We're issuing a service pack here for for Windows eight, and we've got the heap of new generic apps that have been done for Metro that didn't exist when we first put out the Metro start screen. Why don't we just package them with it? Yeah, because it, it got a lot of criticism for, like, Calculator was one. There was no Metro Calculator. It brought up the old calc.exe thing, which is yeah. completely That's inadequate. nobody had thought to make a calculator in Metro when it was put out. <laughs> yeah. That should have been there. That should have been there. And they realised that, so they're putting this in, right? So yeah, here we go. In now, a whole of the, the apps, which are like very stock sort of apps that you would see in other things. Like which a, there's a text editor exist. and so on. They just didn't exist when Windows 8 first came out. Perhaps they were a little bit too quick off the mark. But hey, uh, at least this is a free upgrade. Uh, we can't complain. Boot well, to desktop. Well, it's a very chicken egg situation, you've got to admit. Well, no, no, it's I disagree. Cool. No, I disagree. If Microsoft's going to bring out something radically different, they need to have a nice stock base of stuff that goes with it. That's what you they do. Just, they just didn't have a lot of the other bits and pieces. And a lot of them came out quickly afterwards. What we're putting here is the fact that they're just going to pre-install apps that are already available. It's not that you're missing a calculator. If you have Windows 8 right now, you can just download that same calculator app. It's just that with this update, if you haven't already installed that calculator app, they will pre-install that calculator app for you. Okay. They're just taking All right. apps so- that now exists and pre-installing it as part of the new kind of the new Windows 8 install. Okay, so anyway, uh, look, another one that was heavily criticised was the inability uh, was the inability to boot to desktop. That's it, coming in under Windows 8.1. Yep. So bypass Metro, great for non-touch devices, right? Great for non-touch devices and also um, good for those people who just can't wrap their noggins around Metro. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have a friend who's just bought, she's just bought Windows 8 she absolutely hates it, but one of the re- one of the reasons she doesn't like it is because she really doesn't want to see Metro. She doesn't like Metro. She just wants to go to the desktop. This is going to be good for her. Indeed, it is. Indeed, it is. And you know, I mean, I, a lot of the criticisms I've heard about Windows Eight is the fact that because Metro is what you're presented with when you first start it, and Metro is so drastically different than Windows has ever been before, that. People just haven't been able to grapple their head around the fact that as soon as it's there, it's one button, one click away to get to the desktop again. Because one of the very first tiles on the start metro yeah, screen it is, is desktop. desktop. Yeah, that's right. So you just touch that tile and suddenly there's your desktop. Okay. And it's how, just how about- a lot of people have not gotten that. But a lot of the other criticisms I've heard is how because they changed a lot of the other things to work with the Metro interface, you know, the settings, docs, and all those sorts of things were so drastically different and you couldn't use the old ways to get to those settings and other options. 
that I think is is definitely a valid complaint, and they've addressed that in this as well, especially right. with you know the start button. The start button's back, and everything that was on the start button is back on the start button. So you can get back to your settings nice and easily instead of having to swipe to the side. Okay, so number five then, and and this one, I, I used a Windows 8 tablet, and I couldn't believe that this did not exist when I first used it. Search for apps right on the front screen. Indeed. <laughs> that that was an omission, right? I mean, that was that should have been there, right? Yep. Rather than having to hit the little thing on the side, click for it to open, and then go search. I mean, that's just that's crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, Internet Explorer 11, well, that's a good reason to to uh, upgrade to this. Uh, definitely. Internet Explorer 11 is very nice. You know, it's funny because uh, five years ago, would we really have thought that Microsoft would have gone... God, Internet Explorer was a bad word five years ago. Uh, uh, exactly. <laughs> and, and standards compliant and Microsoft, you could not use in the same sentence. No, you uh, could But not. yeah, think, boy, things have changed. Mm, definitely have. Internet Explorer 11 is very nice. Now, it's also supposed to have um, a better Windows phone integration. Yep. So you'll be able to sync between your uh, Windows 8 computer and your Windows phone. Easy peasy. Great. Excellent. No, no must, no anything. Plug the thing in and it'll synchronize itself across. Nice. Just like an yep. iOS device. Mm-hmm. Now, tile sizes and sorting option for tiles. Now you can move them around. You can make yep. them bigger tiles. Giving you a lot more control over the way that your Metro start screen looks. So make the tiles bigger, make them smaller. Sort the tiles by most recently added ones or, you know, your most commonly used ones on your front screen and other ones on the other. So you can play around with them a lot more. Customization is always good. It is. It is. And number nine is a bit like this as well. Number nine out of ten on this top ten list is more start screen color options. Yeah. Basically, they're taking it from the predefined list of colors to a much larger, you know, being able to set any colour you want. Yay! We're going to see colourful Windows tablets. Indeed. So if you didn't like the uh, grape or the magenta, you can pick your purple just in between those colours to your heart's content. (laughs) Jackson's purple. And number 10 on the list, the ability to split the screen 50-50, not just 70-30. Yep. Yay! Indeed. What would be even cooler is if you could split it however you wanted yeah, to. Yeah, sli- I was thinking that exactly, a variable slider. Into yeah. split mode and then grab that middle split bar and then just wiggle it wherever you wanted to. Yeah, exactly. If you now, wanted now, it Brett, is 70, that- 30, if you wanted it 20, 80, if you wanted it, you know, 90, 10, you can do whatever you wanted. Now, Brett, is this, are we talking, we're talking Metro here, right, for this sc- uh, split screen, right? Yes. Now, now that's something that iOS does not have, right? Or am I mistaken? No, indeed. That is something that iOS cannot do. You Mm. cannot have multiple windows open at the same time on iOS. Yeah. You have to shuffle between them. Yep. So this is is a step ahead. Perhaps open. So this is a step ahead. Indeed. This feature. Very, very nice. I've seen it um, uh, uh, up at university. Uh, I've seen a student who has a Windows 8 tablet. And, yeah, the, um, the student splits the screen so that they can have their notes that they can scroll through that they've downloaded off of Blackboard on one side and then the Word document that they're taking their own notes in on the other. So, already, yeah, I've mm, already that, seen students use that split screen capability. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like to see... Uh, does Android do that as well or is... 
Uh, I don't know. Because I've not seen so, it on Android, and I've certainly, I, I know it's not available on iOS. Well, I've not heard that functionality talked about on Android. Mm. I'd like to see that both, uh, you know, Google and Apple bring that out, actually. Mm. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. Mm. Being able to have multiple things open at the same time on the same screen is a, is a, is a coup. Okay, so Windows 8.1 is, uh, really, has, it, has it been released? Uh, not as far as I'm aware yet. Not yet, but it will be free. It's a free, well, it's a free upgrade to Windows 8. Yeah, yeah. It's Windows it 8.1. Windows 8.1, yeah. Nice. Sometime, and, and, first quarter. Now, do you have a window, Windows whatever. 8 device? I don't have a Windows 8 device. Okay, so because my next question was, are you going to upgrade as soon as it's available? But <laughs> I guess you can't upgrade if you haven't got Windows 8. Indeed. Well, my home computer is Windows 7 Ultimate, and it's it's perfectly fine. It's also not touch interface, so... So you're happy I with it as, see, as it is at the moment. I don't see any reason to upgrade that to Windows 8 just yet. And I don't have a portable Windows... Well, I do have a portable Windows device. I've got my netbook, but I haven't upgraded that to Windows 8 yet. Well, you could. Um, you could do that, right? I could. I could entirely upgrade it to Windows 8 because it is a touchscreen netbook uh, oh. and Windows 8 would run on it, but I just haven't done it because I haven't, yeah, just it's already got a license right, to okay. run Windows 7. Why would I buy a license to run Windows 8 until I buy a new machine? And the fact that Surface Pro isn't here yet, <laughs> so I can't get a Surface Pro. Well, I can get a Surface Pro through parallel importing, but... I'd much rather it actually be supported in New Zealand. Yeah, there's always that risk, isn't it? But hmm, well, it depends. Mm. Sometimes it comes down to the uh, to the cost difference as well. If the cost difference is big enough, people just do it anyway. Mm. Um, well, parallel import. I saw it for one point eight. What one point eight? Thousand eight. Oh yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Eighteen hundred. One point eight k. Hmm. It's quite pricey. Hmm. It is a little, but, but it's significantly powerful. <laughs> It is pretty much an ultrabook. And oh, what's this it's latest term? What's an ultrabook? Uh, an ultrabook is an ultra. It's like um, MacBook Air. MacBook Air is an ultrabook. So ultra su- laptop. Super super thin. Yep, super thin, but super powered. Right. Okay. So, so right. Gotcha. Mm, interesting. I haven't heard that term before. So thin and powerful. Who, and who coins so? Ultra expensive. <laughs> yeah, ultra I expensive. Who coins these phrases? PR firm, some PR firm out there coins all these phrases and then we get stuck with them. But. Yeah. All right, Brett, shall we talk about Adobe? Because uh, they've done some radical new stuff with their licensing, uh, Adobe uh, CS Suite. Is that right, Creative Suite? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, are- do you want to walk us through what are they doing here? Uh, well, what they've said is that they are not going to release any new versions of their Creative Suite software packages. They're instead going to be focusing on their creative cloud. So have you heard of their creative cloud? Only briefly, but I don't really know a lot about it. Well, what it is basically is it is their software as a service subscription. So think Office 365. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. It's a, is it like Office 365, is it? It's like Office 365. It is basically a monthly subscription fee that you pay to Adobe and you get access to the Creative Suite software that you have paid your fee for in the Creative Creative Cloud. 
So it's all cloud-based. It all has access to cloud syncing and all that sort of stuff. So it is another of the switches to software as a service instead of software as a product. Mm. So it's well, what they radical, because you know it is it is quite radical for them to totally shift that way because we we've seen Microsoft has Office 365, but Microsoft still also offers the packaged software. Yeah, you can packaged. choose, right? Uh, yeah, that's yeah, right. You can choose. Whereas Adobe has decided that they are no longer going to offer that choice. All of their development time and input is going to go into the Creative Cloud and their software as a service because they've been offering software as a service with the Creative Cloud for a little while now and they've got a lot of people signed up to it. Well, you, you and know, I can see that it makes a lot of sense for a lot of businesses who are, you know, who are in the field of using those Creative Suite software and always want to have the latest version. Well, and with yeah, the Creative that. Cloud, they'll always have access to it. But for the people who don't, aren't in the industry as a business or aren't in the industry, like, who need to be cutting edge, who are going to lose out with it, because with it currently being software as a package, for instance, you could still be using CS4 even though CS5 is out because you don't feel that it's worth upgrading to CS5 for the money. And you've already outlaid for CS4 and CS4 does everything that you need. You won't have that option with this, with this new system where you can only subscribe to get the CS packages. Also remember that with Adobe products, the outlay is usually really big. Like you, you look at Photoshop, Yeah, you know, we're talking at least in New Zealand, $1,200 plus. That's mm-hmm. a huge outlay. So yeah. I, I think in a way, you know, for for Adobe, this can work to their advantage, uh, for, it, not just for Adobe, but for the consumers as well, because they don't have to outlay so much in one go in one product. That's quite true, but it still doesn't mean that they're going to be paying less because we're talking about the subs- monthly subscriptions start at $50 for an individual. If fi- they that- sign up for a year-long contract. And is that 50 US, is it? 50 US a month. Yeah, that's not... Yeah, that's a bit steep, isn't it? Yeah, so you're still looking at, you know, 600 bucks a year. And so if you use it for two years, that's 1,200 bucks. And that's more than you would have paid for academic if you were a student using it for your course materials. Yeah, although after two years, there'd be another version and you'd be forking out another a lot of that, so... Ah, only if you needed the features of the new one. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, I know you if said that, I but a lot of people do anyway, don't they? They'll they'll see something or they'll, they'll you know. Well, yeah, but then a, a, a lot of people upgrade their phone when the newest one comes out, even though their phone still works perfectly. Hmm. Well, anyway, uh, it's, this, is a ra- this is a radical, I hear what you're saying. This is a radical shift in their licensing. And as you said, Brett, it's, mm. it's more radical than Microsoft's move because they, they, you, you will no longer have a choice. It'll only be uh, through software as a service. And I can see how it would work for businesses that have access to massive amounts of broadband, massive amounts of internet. For the small business or individual, um, I see it being detrimental. Because a lot of students would be working on, they would have bought an academic edition, which, you know, can be significantly cheaper. Oh, yeah. There's some big discounts with Adobe. Adobe. Yeah. 
Exactly. They would have purchased their academic price off the software had it the entire suite available on their computers. But yeah, I, I see them losing out because they will have outlaid for their academic version and then stuck with that one version throughout the entirety of their training. Now, Brett, you're you know, sounding very, very, four year now, Brett, you're sounding very hoarse at the moment. Are you, are you going to be able to finish this show? <laughs> because we've got another few stories and I can hear your voice going. Maybe you're going to have to just uh, give, give us one word to, answers. Um, uh, just not be quite so controversial and make me have to talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look, I'll tell you what. Yes, my, voice, the- <laughs> my voice is now starting to disappear. It is, it is. Tell you what, uh, uh, make yourself a hot drink. And while you're doing that, I'll talk about this uh, this cool new drone, which I know you're going to get excited about and you're going to start talking again. But uh, you're really going to have to hold back a little bit if you want to continue for the rest of the show, <laughs> if you want to last the rest of the show. So the Opikopi Music Festival in South Africa is, is a huge music festival and – some this is brilliant. The organisers have decided. Uh, one of the problems with with the, you know a music festival is is uh, sales of you know um you know, food and drink. How do you get you know you've probably been to these sorts of things before and you're forever. It takes half an hour to get to the beer stand and half an hour to get to get back to where you were if you can get. Back. Oh, indeed. You know you've yeah. just put, you've stuck yourself uh, a nice cozy spot with you and your mates in the position where you get great view, great sound, and then time, somebody wants some yeah. drinks and it's, it's time for one of you to fight your way oh, to where yeah. drinks places. Yep. Exactly. And then to try and fight your way back. So this problem has been solved with technology. Here's how they're going to do it at the Opikopi Music Festival. They are going to deliver the beers. You order them on your phone and it's going to be delivered by, well, there's a bit of a buzzword now, but by a drone. Yes, by a little <laughs> remote control copter. It's going to deliver the beer to where you were standing or where are, you are standing, according to the GPS. How cool is that? Indeed. Well, it's, it's going to attempt to deliver it to you because how are they going to do it? It's, it's the drone hovers over you and then drops your beer with a parachute. And hopefully a gust of wind does not take your parachute <laughs> right. beer on Yeah, it exactly. And hopefully the, the guy next to you or behind, standing behind you doesn't grab it before you even notice it. Indeed. And, yeah. <laughs> so, But, yeah, isn't that cool, though? But this it, is a cool concept, cool. right? Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Hopefully they do a lot of testing beforehand in oh, different so. conditions because what we don't want to see after this music festival is dozens injured as beer cans plummet to death. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wear your hard hat. Exactly. <laughs> People but getting I think this knocked is so out cool. by beer cans that are just too heavy for the tiny parachutes or the, the parachutes failing to open. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is, but reaches terminal velocity. This is so cool that I would almost consider going just to see that. Ah, indeed. How cool is that? <laughs> I, I want to. I want to go to a, a festival or a, an event where they do this. Whether it's the mm. Opikopi Music Festival or something else, something a little closer to home might might be nice. But it'd be. Oh, I just want to see it. I want to be there. I want to have my beer delivered by a copter. Indeed. Anyway, one day. But uh, that's what they're doing in South Africa, and that's at the uh, music festival, which takes place in August. So if you are in there, you go. If you're in South Africa, because we've got listeners all around the world, if you're in South Africa and you didn't know about this, you might want to think about going if you can still get tickets. I don't really know much about that particular music festival, whether tickets are still available or whatnot. But if they are, yeah, there you if go. If you are a listener and you do go and you order a beer, take a photo and let us. <laughs> oh yeah, we'd us. love to chat. Yeah, absolutely. If you are one of these. Uh, Copter delivered beer orderers. If you end up being one of those in August, please do get in touch with us at Boise Tech and would love to talk to you. Uh, now, 
another cool piece of tech is uh, a, a poster. Now, this this was on uh, has sort of been doing the the rounds online. It's I think it's really really neat, really well thought out. What it is? It's a it's a billboard. It's a well, it's a poster. It's a poster with a hidden message. Also uses very old tech. It, it does, and we'll talk about that in just a sec. But yes, you're right. But it, it's it's a poster which delivers a message. It's about child abuse, and there's a hidden message. There's some hidden, well, if like text that can only be seen if you're a child. And and, and the way that works is is because a child is is uh, is below a certain height. So it's really done by the angle at which you see, at which you look at this poster. Adults look at it from a different angle uh, than than kids. And the, so kids can see this message, the, the extra line, which I, I think says something along the lines, if, if an adult's been hurting you, phone this number or something like that. I think mm-hmm. I, I can't remember the exact text. Uh, and of course it works, Brett, doesn't it, by old technology, that the old te- the same technology that you used to get on those little, um, I'm not sure what you call those things, but where you, you angle them up and down and they appear to move. You know those <laughs> images? Uh, we used to call them holograms. Yeah, but they're Holographic not, stickers. Yeah, but they're not holograms. They're lenticular lenses. Yeah, lenticular. Sort of yeah, that's right. Those. Yeah, exactly. They, they usually, um, you know, you, you can run your finger up and, and down them, and you, know, they, you still get them. <laughs> yeah, you still get them. You still get them. I mean, in fact, I bought a Kinder. Yeah, they're quite popular on um, special edition DVD covers. Well, you know, I bought a Kinder Surprise the other day for for, for one of my daughters, and uh, it had one of those in it. You know, you move, you tilt it up and down, and the little cartoon character looks like it's animated because you know. So that's kind of cool, isn't it? Mm, that is. It's old tech, like you say, but it's uh, it's well thought out. And what I really like about this is not just gimmicky; it's actually got a real purpose. You know, a child walking past that poster will see an extra band of text that adults, well, at least you know, at an average height, a certain height, uh, yeah. most adults won't see. You know, mm-hmm. and so and it's about child abuse. This is brilliant. Indeed, it's it's a way to get um, the message across. And I believe this is in a uh, safe way for children, which is what they're what they're thinking is. Now this is in Spain, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. All right. So what else shall we talk about? We're going to talk about the International Space Station opting to go with a different OS now. They they were operating on Windows XP over there for a bit, mm-hmm. and they're leaving it for what? Linux. Linux. Yeah. And the reasons behind that? What did they say? Well, um, stability. Yeah, stability and uh, reliability, both. Mm. Mm. Why don't they go to Windows 7, though? I mean, that's pretty stable and reliable, isn't it? Uh, it depends. Could they actually put a computer up in space that was capable of running Windows 7? Why wouldn't they? Just don't, well, they spend an awful lot of money hardening all computer equipment that goes into space to make it be able to withstand the bombardment by cosmic radiation and other, um, you know. Oh, so they don't want to refresh the fleet so often. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Mm. They spend an awful lot of money hardening their electronic components to allow it to stand up against cosmic radiation. Because if you took a regular computer up into space, it would fry. But don't they have ample money they can just throw at this thing anyway? I don't know. No. I don't know who they is. I mean, because it's, uh, <laughs> it's it's an it's international NASA and other. Um, well, well, no, well, it's not just NASA. This is International Space Station. It's, well, indeed, and in fact, it's mostly it's, Russian, to be honest. I think it's more Russian than it is American. I believe. Well, right now it's more Russian for the supply because they're the only 
country that still has, you know, the capability of reliably and consistently sending things into space. Since um, the United States uh, grounded their shuttle fleet, the United States does not have the capability of actually ferrying people into space anymore. That's why there's been all of this work on the different projects to get new space vehicles. And why the, that NASA has put a lot of effort into privately funded space initiatives. But well, okay, the, um, what I'm saying... <laughs> your, your dumb phone probably has more processing power than the space shuttle have. But what, what I'm saying is that, uh, <laughs> wasn't this, yeah, well, it wouldn't surprise me, but what I'm saying is, wasn't this, uh, wasn't it started by the Russians? Wasn't this whole thing, because wasn't it the uh, sort of next... space station. Yeah, wasn't no? it sort of the next generation of the Mir space station? I don't, don't think it was started by the Russians. The Russians were the first to put a space station or lab up into space during the whole um, space race situations. But I'm pretty sure the ISS was led by NASA. Ah, oh, was it? But it has got involvement by, you know, involvement with many, many space organizations around the world. According to Wikipedia, the ISS program is a joint project amongst five participating space agencies. There are five of them. There's NASA, the Russian Federal Space Agency, JAXA, which must be, I guess, Japan. It's Japanese. ESA, yeah. that's Europe, and what's CSA? Canada. Is it? Oh, yeah, it is too. It's funny, yeah. I, I don't think of, of, of Canada as, as being sort of in oh the... Oh, my God. In the, you, it's the Canada arm. Have you not heard of the Canada arm? No, what's that? Tell me. <clears throat> you know the robot that they've got, the gigantic robot arm? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On the yeah. outside, you see pictures yes, of it all yes, the time yes, when you look yes. at pictures of the entire space. Yes. That was built in Canada. Oh, there you go. I didn't That's know that. I've got the Canada. Arm. Well, I've learned something today, and uh, <laughs> and I hope no no uh, Canadian listeners took offence to my thinking that Canadians weren't up in the space program because they are. There you go. Indeed, and they built one of the you know the most important robotic arms in space history. Well, look, that just blows away the old joke, the ongoing joke about Canadians never taking part in anything international. Because there you go, this is something very international that they're taking part Indeed. in. Indeed. <laughs> Oh, yes. All right. Do we have any uh, international stories left or are we going to flick over to the New Zealand section? I think we're going to flick over to the New Zealand section, aren't we? Yeah. That's it. That's it for the international stories. <laughs> but As we, we, we briefly touch on the, the, the whole point of that story, they're upgrading to Linux. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. We and didn't... <laughs> then just talk about robots and, and who created the ISS. We, and, we, and, yeah, I know, exactly. Whether or not Canada is, is in space. <laughs> exactly. The actual point of that story was the fact in terms of technologies is that they're going from Windows XP to Linux. But, yeah, yeah. we kind of said that in one sentence, didn't we? All right, look, yeah. let's, we'll take a short break. When we come back, we've got a couple of New Zealand stories for you. Don't go away. Welcome back. And in the New Zealand section, a couple of stories for you. First of all, Auckland's largest bus operator is promising passengers a smoother ride. And the way it's going to do that is with a black box that, you know, similar to aircraft black boxes, which are in fact bright orange in colour. But anyway, uh, black boxes that monitor the drivers, uh, well, the driving, if you like. And there are five main areas that it's going to be monitoring. They are cornering, engine idling, braking, acceleration, and speeding. And those five aspects are going to be monitored and if they reach certain thresholds over a certain period of time, 
over a certain frequency, it'll raise a flag and then the driver will be offered additional training or sort of asked about, you know, there'll be some discussions in and into. The whole idea around this is to get drivers to drive in a more uh, customer-friendly, smooth <laughs> manner. There you go. No offence to the Auckland bus drivers out there, but whoever was driving the bus to the Auckland airport was bunny hopping like a jackrabbit. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's bad. Indeed. Psh, boom. Ah. But you, you know, there was a time. There was a time here in, in Wellington where, uh, for a, I think a week or so, and I, my memory's really vague on this. I don't know what it was, but for a week or so, we had to do really, really early morning starts, like I think five or six in the morning, and and the our work uh, gave us taxi chits, and there were about I don't know four or five of us doing this. And there was one dri- – there's not many drivers that are around at that time, you know, if, mm-hmm. um, in any given taxi company. And every now and again you'd get this this particular guy, he's a Russian driver, and boy, is he rushing. He, you know, he'd, he'd do <laughs> 75 in the 50 zone, and on the motorway he'd be doing 130, and he, he'd accelerate and decelerate really, really hard. It's like he's just in this absolute rush on empty roads for an ab- Absolutely no reason apart from the fact that, uh, you know, the, the, the word uh, Russian sounds like rushing. Uh, and, you know, uh, the, the first morning I'd, I'd said to one of my colleagues, man, I got to work in this, the, the scariest taxi ride ever. I mean, I, it was this Russian dude. Anyway, the next day, uh, one of my co- I didn't get the, ta- the Russian guy. I got some other taxi driver. But my colleague got the Russian guy and, go, and he comes to me and says, oh, my goodness, I got that same Russian guy. <laughs> He's a scary driver. So yeah, you kind of we kind of got to know um, this particular driver. But that's taxis. I just thought I'd share that with you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but back to buses. Yeah, you know, um, I noticed yeah. one thing they do here in Wellington more uh, than they've uh, than they used to do anyway is that they seem a little bit more conscious of waiting until the person, the passenger who's just uh, boarded the bus, has sat down before uh, taking off. Mm-hmm. Um, it does make you a little bit later, but at the same time, it means they don't get flung down the back of the bus as, as it takes off. Or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's, it'll be interesting to see how this is actually gets used because a lot of, well, you know, when, as you mentioned, with the black boxes in aircraft, when they first came in, um, there was a lot of furor from pilots in the pilots' union when they started to get used in court cases with the data being held against the, the Yeah, the, there was a lot of pilots. opposition to that. Mm. Um, and we haven't seen that in this because there's been a lot of, you know, um, the, the, the bus drivers' union or whatever the, the union is, that transport union or whatever, um, has said that all of the the talk that has come out has been that this will not be used to uh, instigate disciplinary action. It will always be preceded by a talk and offers of training and, and whatever and support to the bus drivers. Yeah, themselves. so it's, it's, not, it's not about, you know, you've exceeded uh, it, these thresholds, you're fired. It's not about that's that. What, yeah, that's what they're, they're saying. Mm. It's, it's not going to be used as a, well, you put your, you, you know, you slammed your foot on the brake too fast there, you went into the red and we can't have you anymore. Um, it's going to be, if it's, if, you know, significant issues arise, that it will be, done that way and they've said that from the the people that they they're getting experienced drivers who are going to be trialing the system for calibration and that and that these drivers are, are using it because it actually shows the driver a display it's not like the airplane 
black boxes in that manner. It actually shows you feedback as the driver. Yeah, that's gives right. Gives you a series yep. of lights. Yep. And if you're, cor- you know, for instance, if you're taking a corner and your cornering's good, it goes into the green. If you're starting to get a little bit of G-force going on, it might go yellow. And if you're seriously putting the Gs on too sharply, then it goes red. And, the, and, and as you say, the driver can see that, right? The on driver the can immediately see if they are going in. So it does allow them to, you know, mitigate their own. They can correct their own driving. actions, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And apparently drivers, in, bus drivers in Auckland have been getting lots of speeding tickets because the buses that they drive are all European. And so they're all done in miles and none of them have an indicator for 50 kilometres. <laughs> well, wait a sec. <laughs> on hey, hang, hang on, on a sec. Hang, hang on a sec. There's something that doesn't make sense here. There's nothing in Europe that's in miles. Hmm? Nothing in Europe's miles. That's where That's where metric started. Well, perhaps they're all UK buses. Or Britain. Oh, Britain, Britain would be the only, yeah. But either way, it's not done in kilometres and they have no 50 kilometre an hour mark. That's interesting because... I, that's, I, what it's, that's what they said. <laughs> it's interesting because back in the day anyway when... Um, I would have thought they would have just gone on and gone, okay, here's where 50 is and put a mark on the speedometer so that the drivers could see it. Yeah, but it's also interesting because most of the buses were uh, MAN, man buses, uh, which are German. That's a German uh, brand. And there were Mercedes and Man with the two um, Man and Mercedes with the two main. Uh, what do you call it? A bus. Um, I've never seen a Mercedes vehicle companies. Bus. Oh yeah, I've, well, I've never been in a Mercedes bus. Back in the day, I do we these not days, have Mercedes buses here. Th- th- not these days. I must admit, I haven't seen a Mercedes bus for a while. But when I was catching buses as as a as a um, a school, you know, as a to school when I was living in Auckland. Yeah, there were uh, pretty much a 50-50 split of Mercedes versus oh, you uh, obviously M&M. were in, going to, in a posh area. <laughs> Look, a Mercedes a bus is not... in a Mercedes. <laughs> actually, You're well, still that... getting delivered to school in a Mercedes. Uh, exactly, Brett. That was actually the joke at the time. Exactly, yes. I was delivered to, to school in a Mercedes. But <laughs> a bus is a bus, whether it's a Mercedes or a Ford. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> really, you know, the seats are just as uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, I doubt it. <laughs> anyway, the, I have seen um, MAN buses here. I've seen them here. Uh, I don't know what some of the man other brands buses. are. And what? Man buses. Yeah, man, man buses. <laughs> yes, I've seen those don't, here. Don't have, we don't have no, no um, wimpy buses here. All our buses are man. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, which is German. Anyway, oh. but uh, <laughs> that's what... What's what, it stand for? Surely it's an acronym. I, look, yes, it is. I look... I, I looked it up once. Shall we look? I'll tell you what. Let's answer that right now. Let's look it up live. This is a, this is here we go. Man truck and bus welcome. Here we go. It's German and it stands for Maschinenfabrik Maschinenfabrik Augsburg Nuremberg Nuremberg. There you go. That'll do. <laughs> Maschinenfabrik Augsburg Nuremberg. So it's obviously the Augsburg Nuremberg. Uh, um, Machine fabrication. Machine factory mm. thing. <laughs> Group. <laughs> there you go. Oh, we yeah, yeah. Look, the Germans listening to us now are absolutely cringing. With uh, your atrocious, atrocious pronunciation. Oh, look, you know, I mean, I can't speak German to save myself. I can say, <laughs> ich habe einen, I can say, ich habe einen Krankenwagen, which means I have an ambulance. <laughs> but I have an ambulance is not a particularly useful phrase. No, no. It's like you go in and you ask for a subway and it doesn't work. No. <laughs> yeah. You just get strange looks if you say that. Ich habe einen Krankenwagen. You know, I have an ambulance. I mean, 
They look at you funny. You say that in English and they'll look at you funny as well, trust me. Okay, so uh, the other New Zealand story I had uh, online, in fact, this is something you raised, Brad, uh, that, uh, oh, sorry, it's about software patents. Can you, do you want to walk us through that? Well, a lot of copyright and other such stuff has been coming up for change recently. And there was the uh, big changes proposed in the um, redesign of the patents bill to replace the old patents act. And one of those bits that was going in there was changes to the way that software is considered in the patents bill to make it so that if you made a product like a machine or whatever which utilize software you could patent the product but you could not patent the software so basically what it is that has been brought in is a um a change which will mean that software cannot itself be patented so that is less protection why is that a good thing because it protects innovation if you could patent software there are only so many ways you can do things. So do you mean like slide to unlock, for example? Not the concept, but the software behind it. Oh, okay, I see. I so see. you wrote code that allows you to interpret a finger sliding on a screen and that would then provide an on unlock signal or whatever. That software could not be patented. Right, so someone else should be able to also write different code to, uh, to interpret a finger sliding on the screen and performing an action. Indeed. Mm, okay, so it is it is a positive People thing, right? People should be able to use the same. If I write a piece of software and my and a part of that software is a piece of code which turns out to have been written exactly the same as a piece of code that you wrote somewhere else, you don't have a patent on it. You can't sue me. But that's different, though, isn't it? To if I uh, download the entire source code for Windows and I compiled it myself and sold it, I can't yeah. do that, right? Yes, it's different. It's taking it away from being something that you could patent to something that you can still copyright. Right, okay, gotcha. Brilliant. And those are two very uh, important so distinctions. Of, hmm. Yeah, because you copyright a product and you patent a process or a bit within it. Right. That's how I get it. So currently this is the uh, patents bill that's uh, before Parliament or is going before Parliament, so it'll be a little while before this actually uh, gets, uh, uh, well, it's got a, pass into law for a start but assuming it does it's going to be a while before this takes effect Mm. so in the meantime it is status quo which is i believe still you can't patent it it's just being made clear (laughs) that you can't patent it right well i I guess it's supposed to be a good thing as they say so well yeah because well think about it if you were the manufacturer of a washing machine and you had a piece of software, some firmware that ran the computer in your washing machine and a competing manufacturer patented firmware to control the washing machine, you would have to pay a license for writing software to run your own washing machine. So this is almost kind of like putting limits on what can be patented. Yeah, uh, it's, it's the point of it. I And... and as we have argued many, many times when we've talked about the ridiculousness of patents that happens, the patent nonsense that occurs in the patent office in America, for instance, tied to restrictions on what is patentable, 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 tied to restrictions on what you can patent is a patently obvious choice. Oh, nice, nice pun there. I love it. Brett, by the way, your voice Very has... Very forced, l- but oh well. 
<laughs> That's okay. We'll run with it. Brett, your voice has lasted the show. You were starting to sound a little hoarse halfway through. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it, you've, you've lasted the distance. Indeed. Uh, and, and, and enough lubrication has has um, been downed that the, um, the the horse has left the stable. You know, I have a water bottle, which is an old vodka bottle. And, uh, you know, people kind of look at me funny, but, you know, it's not as if I'm going to be swigging great big gulps of vodka and straight, would I be? I mean, who does that? Uh, you? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I do drink vodka straight. You're right, but certainly you don't gulp it down by the, you know. No, mouthful. you're not Russian. Ooh, I want to hear you pronounce something Russian now. Oh, I've heard you're atrocious <laughs> German. Let's go for something Russian. All right, um, vodka. Get, no, the um the the Russian name for the Russian space agency. Get that Wikipedia page back up. Oh man, <laughs> I, I won't be able to read the characters. <laughs> hey, look, I'm going to get out of this one by ending the show right now before I even get a chance myself to answer. I'm going to cut myself short, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, Brett, look, thank you very much for co-hosting this fantastic show. And by the way, it's been a week and a half. Uh, the next show will be in a week and a half as well. Uh, so the next show will go out for the week beginning Monday the 27th. Uh, so, Brett, anyway, look, thank you once again, Brett. It's been a great show. Always a pleasure, And we'll do it again, as I say, in about 10 days' time. Till then, take care, everyone. Thank you very much for joining us. See you next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye.